This week on the Real Sorter Podcast, we are talking photographing Lincoln statues. Welcome to the Rail Splitter Podcast, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. I am your co-host, Mary, and joining me tonight is Rail Splitter Nick. What's up, Rail Split Nash? Those of you, you know, listening to us as you're preparing your Valentines uh, for, you know, all the kids in class. You remember when, like, people used to do that in class? You'd, like, do it all for the kids and drop them in? Yes, we used to make, like, mailboxes for that. But this episode, you might get some advice on how to maybe up your Valentine game and add a picture to it. So. <laughs> Nick's setting it up to be something, uh, something good. Um, and although he's not here with us, uh, Real Splitter Jeremy is definitely here in spirit. He couldn't join us tonight, unfortunately. Um, but we have a special guest with us tonight. Um, I am very pleased to welcome Dave Wiegers to the show. I hope I said your last name right after yep. you just told me about it. Um, we are very pleased to ha- welcome him to the show. So he is a lifelong Lincoln buff, um, as many of us are in Rail Split Nash, and he is from Illinois. And where do you currently live in Illinois, Dave? Beautiful Gurney, Illinois. Okay. So, about how far is that from of from is that from Springfield? Last time I was down there, it took us about three and a half hours. So we're almost in Wisconsin here. I, I tell people we're about fifteen miles south of the Cheddar Curtain. Okay, <laughs> very good. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so Dave is a um, lifelong Lincoln buff, but he's also um, has had a lifelong love of photography as well. And he's been able to combine those two. And he has taken many wonderful photographs of Lincoln. Uh, he puts out a calendar every year for it. And I've been pleased to have one of his calendars for the last few years. The photographs are excellent of uh, Lincoln statues from not just America, but all over the world, which mm-hmm. is really awesome. Um, so in his travels, Dave has seen many Lincoln statues in many different places. Um, His photos have also been featured in books and magazine articles. Um, So today with him, we're going to just talk about Lincoln statues and monuments, what it's like to photograph them, you know, some of the interesting stories behind them, what his favorites are, some odd ones he might have found along the way. (laughs) And we're also going to talk uh, near the end a little bit um, about an event that happens every year in Gettysburg that that Dave attends called the Lincoln Forum. Um, So Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us tonight. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, we're very happy to have you on here. Um, I don't think we've ever had anybody on here to discuss Lincoln statues before, have we, Nick? No, not to my knowledge. No, I don't think we have. Um, So we'll get started with what is probably the toughest question of the evening. What sparked your interest in Lincoln? I think it was probably my grandmother, which I I think a lot of us have some person, whether it be a history teacher or a, a relative. My grandmother was a, a huge lover of history, and uh, so she kind of gave that to me, I think. Um, and then uh, one thing I remember, I kind of got to Lincoln through the Civil War, which a lot of people do, I think. Um, she took me, when I was a kid, over to Lexington, Missouri, and there was a Civil War battle there called the Battle of the Hemp Bales. And it was uh, quite decisive in trying to uh, determine who was going to get control of the Missouri River at the time. And so she gave me some books. Uh, she had a couple books that she gave me when she passed away. Uh, it was a two-volume set of the history of the Confederacy. She was a member of the Daughters of the Confederacy. So uh, it, it kind of came that way. And then uh, as a kid, there were six of us in the family and my parents uh, owned a country squire station wagon. And for anybody too young to remember what that is, if you ever saw the movie uh, 
um, with Chevy Chase um, vacation. Yeah. Family truckster. And the country squire wagon is a family truckster. And so my dad loaded us all up one time when we moved to Illinois and uh, we went over and we, we visited Lincoln's home and we visited the tomb and we went through Salem. And so things kind of grew from there. Okay. And uh, bought, bought some books and um, back in those days, of course, we didn't have the luxury of listening to podcasts or going on the internet and doing research. So, you know, it was just reading a lot of books. Wow, awesome. So that's kind of the, the short short way to Lincoln, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Lincoln statues, that's a little different story. You know, a lot of people know Lincoln, but very few people, I think, really find that little statue niche, I guess. Um, I've always liked art, so it kind of fit a little bit. And then in the town where I grew up, which was Decatur, Illinois, is the first place that Lincoln lived when he moved from Indiana to Illinois. His family actually camped in the square at Decatur, which became Lincoln Square. And uh, he gave his first political speech there. There's a statue commemorating that. There's a statue at the courthouse. There's one on the campus of Millican University. There's one, I don't know, there's five or six different statues of Lincoln just in Decatur. So I was exposed to a lot of those things as well. And uh, the interest grew from there. Wow, that's cool. I didn't know that about Decatur, about the statue being there. That's really, that's interesting about that. Um, so then from there, um, you also developed a love of photography. So what um, got you interested in that? And um, like, what age did you get your first camera at? Well, I can't draw over the darn, but I love art. So um, I don't remember exactly when I got my first camera. I guess it probably was in high school. My dad bought me a 35 millimeter camera. And since we had so many kids, he couldn't afford to buy me a, a Nikon or a Canon. It was a Russian 35 millimeter can, uh, camera called a Zenit. And so I started to take photographs and uh, bought darkroom equipment. And I used to uh, develop my own black and white film and then print it as well. And, uh, but as soon as digital came along, I didn't switch completely over, but over a period of a couple of years, I completely switched over to digital and I don't shoot film at all anymore, which most photographers don't. Yeah. There was some debate a few years ago. Like I remember when I was um, in going through to become a museum conservator, we had to photograph the artifacts and it was at the time when digital was just becoming popular, but there were those in the field that still believed that film was the way to go. So when we took photos of artifacts, we had to develop them on slide film and do digital. Oh, yeah. It was incredibly expensive to do that. Um, and I know there are still some people out there that are, you know, I know the odd person that still uses film. They're, they're out there. I, I keep thinking maybe they'll make the comeback like LPs have done now. Maybe film will come back kind of old school like record albums have versus uh digital format so you never know yeah it's um do you find digital i'm assuming you find digital to be much easier than to take all your photos and because they're all... yeah it's it's sure is a lot easier to store mm-hmm. oh yeah you tend to take a lot more photos and as i think we were kind of talking a little off air you know that with digital you can take more pictures and so you're more than likely to get something good and then you you've got the ability to look at that picture immediately. I try not to do that because when you're looking down at your camera, you're missing what's going on on out front of you. Yeah. But um, it is, is nice. You can kind of edit as you go as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's an extreme amount of oh, benefits to digital as, as well as being able to uh, do post-processing in the computer. I don't do a lot of post-processing, very minimal. Um, try to catch it as, as much as I can before it gets that far. Okay. So when you um, shoot your photos, this is getting kind of technical here, but do you do JPEG or raw? Well, I, I, I shoot raw and JPEG okay. both. Um, I, I haven't really gotten that good at processing raw. So I usually just do JPEGs, but mm-hmm. I've got the raw there if I ever want to yeah. use them. It takes up an awful lot of storage space. So yeah, that's, I you know, use your huge files. I think when I was at Gettysburg a couple of years ago, I took all my pictures in RAW, and it took so, so much space on my camera oh, yeah. to do that. And that was back when I was more into 
editing photos, which I'm not, um, don't do that as much now, but it takes up a lot of space. Yeah. And the that. editing takes a lot of time yeah. if you really want to get into it. So, oh, yeah. Um, so was it one particular statue that gave you the idea like, huh, I'm going to photograph as many of these Lincoln statues as I possibly can? Um, yes, but it's not one that you would imagine. Um, my kids, uh, in, uh, when they were in college or in high school, played volleyball. My two boys were a year apart and they each went to different schools. So I think it was their sophomore and junior years. They decided they just wanted to change schools. They were tired of it. So we went to visit Carthage college, which is up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. It's not far away drove up the driveway and I saw this statue in front of me of this, uh, this figure kind of holding his hand out and pointing and another figure sitting on a wall, looking back at him. So I dropped the kids off. They went on tour and I went over to look at the statue. And it was, a, it was a statue of Lincoln talking to John Hay. And I could not find any information. Why in the world is there a statue of Abraham Lincoln on a camp, college campus in Wisconsin talking to John Hay? I couldn't find much information and I finally stumbled across some things. And in the process of looking, I found some old books from the 1950s that had all these Lincoln statues. And as I paged through, I realized how many of them I either knew about a little bit or I've been to the city, but didn't know about the statue. And so I just started as I traveled for work, I would take more and more pictures. Um, at some point somebody said, you really ought to do something with those pictures and maybe try to do a book or compile them somehow because there hasn't been anything since 1953 that's really done a complete um, book on Lincoln statues with photos and descriptions. So not being very bright some about it, I said, oh, that's a great idea. I'll just start <laughs> doing that. And the next thing I know, and my wife uh, would will will tell you we took a two-week 10,000 mile driving tour from Illinois to the west coast up the west coast and back across the northern part of the states looking for Lincoln and we found a lot of statues knew about most of them before we got there but uh we uh, we got back and I realized that heck I'd already had almost 200 statues in my my storage and now it's well over 400 Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Wish I had 40 cents a mile for every mile I put on. Wow. That's <laughs> Nick. That might be a real splitter road trip right there. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like, uh, most people would take a vacation, go look for the Lincoln, but, but you are, uh, booking your vacations around the Lincoln. It sounds like almost. <laughs> well, sort of in, in our, was it our, was it our, 30th anniversary, Wendy, I found a, a statue in Hawaii. There's a Lincoln statue in front of a, a school in Hawaii. And so we, we had to go to Hawaii and take, take photographs of it. So we celebrated our 30th anniversary and went looking for Mr. Lincoln all at the same time. Like a genius. Yeah, that would be my type of trip. <laughs> that would be my type of trip. You don't have to find it if you want to, want to try that. And have you, like, I'm assuming you found Lincoln statues just accidentally, too, along your ways. That I, I have, in, a lot of times you'll, uh, you'll find a statue and then there'll be a monument, you know, along with the statue. And on that statue or the, on the monument might be a, a, like a relief of Lincoln. So as things evolved, I not only am looking at statues, but now it's monuments with images of Lincoln. So it, it you know profiles uh, reliefs of a bust sitting on top of a, a pedestal of some type. Uh, so that's kind of it, it. One thing led to another. Instead of just the big statues that we all think of as you know seven or eight feet tall or life size, um, I started looking at other other things. Mm -hmm. I don't really get into too much public or private stuff. Um, if I'm going to actually put it out there for people to see, I I want to be able to see it. And I don't want them to bother private organizations or people. So um, kind of doing it that way more than than uh, trying to put all four or five hundred of them that I found out there uh, and just tell people where they are. Because mm -hmm. I don't want somebody to 
and on the, the Lincoln uh, Club in Philadelphia and say, hey, can I look at that really cool <laughs> Lincoln statue in there? Because they'll tell you to take a hike because it's a yeah. private club. Wow. Um, Nick, do you have any questions for Dave at all? Yeah, I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, what's your strategy when you get there? You know, you traveled all this distance or you're driving all over um, and then you're like going to take a picture of it. I know a couple times I've done it. I, I feel like I always get stressed. Like, oh, man, I got to get the right spot, looking around, walking around. I'm just kind of curious what your strategy is for uh, taking these pictures. I've gotten a lot smarter since the beginning, Nick. Uh, when I first went, I just went. Now, if I find a new one, I find out where it's at, get a good idea of where it sits. Uh, with Google Maps and being able to do street view, I can see the statue before I ever get there. But the big thing that I learned is I want to try to find out what direction the statue faces so that I don't get there. And when I try to shoot Lincoln's face, the sun's behind him. I take shots from all four sides and at angles. Uh, I try to document anything that's on the pedestal or the, the base. Uh, I try to distance shots from the front and the back if I can. And I always look for the artist's signature. Most statues have the artist's signature. So I try to find that. A lot of times the foundry mark is also on there, so I like to document that. At the same point, just try to get kind of long, medium, and close-up shots. And I'm always thinking, you know, could I use this picture as an illustration for something if I need to put copy next to it? Things like that. Um, so it's it's pretty well thought out. So I get into a routine. And so found was that with a lot of the ones I went to early on in this project, I would get back. Or now that I look back, I find, boy, why didn't I take the picture from there? Or this isn't that great an angle. I should have waited and, and gotten a better angle at a different time of day. So, you know, you live and learn. The biggest thing that I did learn in the worst time to shoot statues, especially bronze ones, is in sunlight, bright sunlight, mm -hmm. because of the reflection. So now I take a, a polarizing filter with me so that I can dial down that glare, and it uh, helps, and then minimize that glare then i can do a little more in in the software and kind of even it out a little bit um low light stuff's tough too so i, I use some other other tricks i'll take three shots it, it you know overexposed underexposed and regular exposure and then i combine them in the computer and try to get a wider variety it's called the, uh, hdr photography and i i do that a lot because there's and don't seem to put these in great spots sometimes to photograph mm-hmm What's the gear you're using? What do you shoot with? I'm kind of a Canon guy, so I've uh, I've been using Canon for a while. Uh, I've got a Canon digital mirrorless, and I've got a um, a Sony digital. Um, I'm gonna trade. I, I'm gonna trade my Canon digital or uh, mirrorless in for a, a Canon uh, Mark Mark uh, Seven. Is it Seven D Mark Two? I think it's a. It's kind of the first full frame, and mm -hmm. and uh, they're out there pretty reasonable. And you find somebody that bought one because they wanted a cool camera and didn't use it much, I can get a pretty good deal on it. So I'm going to more than break even when I do the trading at some point here. No, that's I also camera. do a little concert shooting. Yeah, I do some concert shooting too, and I'm finding that uh, the mirrorless does not work nearly as well in a concert setting as, as it does with more stationary mm -hmm. things. What lenses are you using? Are you bringing uh, several lenses with you, changing throughout? You got a zoom I lens? I try to shoot with one. It's a mess uh, trying to, to, to juggle too many lenses. But I normally take a, uh, a zoom, maybe a, a, I've got an 18 by 200. Mm -hmm. And then I've got a, a, one wide angle that I use a lot. Um, so that you try to travel light and, and uh, you know, you can, you can, spend a lot of money in lenses and you use them two or three times <laughs> a year, you know, so um, might as well buy something that's got a lot of flexibility. Yeah, I was just pricing out cameras today for our class, so um, and the 7D was on the list. Um, I don't think we're going that way, but... <laughs> yeah, it's a good camera. So, yeah, it is. And then... No, that's awesome. I Yeah, I... Definitely coming up with a strategy would be wise, so it, I'm always stressed. 
Good thing I don't fil- shoot on film. I think the stress level would <laughs> would be terrible for me. Um, although I do have a former student who's like 21. He's starting to shoot on film, and he's building his own darkroom. So oh, wow. maybe it is coming back. Good for him. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. You can do some neat stuff in the dark room. Yep, yeah. That's a lot more hands-on and a little more, um, well, I don't know what the right word is, but uh, you, you can really get into it. I, I remember going into the dark room and, you know, developing some film and shooting some, making some prints and realized I'd been in there for eight hours and I didn't even know it. You can you get lost in the dark. The process is just really absorbing and in, in, uh, focusing. Wow. It's it's something I've always wanted to try, but never got around to it. Like, um, I've seen like uh, like Gettysburg Victorian Studio. They do the really like the the wet plate photography. Oh, so yeah. I've got to see that process before, which was fascinating. And I'm like, I kind of want to try this, like you know, film and and all that. But yeah, like, it's nice to see it's coming back though, too, Nick. Like with your student. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's definitely. He's extremely talented, so. Oh. Um, but um, so as you're taking these pictures, when did you start to uh, kind of compile? Uh, like I know you have the calendars now and different stuff. When did mm-hmm. you start to go that route and put that out there for you well, know, the public to consume? I started to attend the Lincoln Forum about, gosh, has it been 15, maybe 16 years ago? I think this will be my 17th year. The first year I. I'm a bit of an introvert, and so um, if I to, to really get to know people, I try to thought, oh, this is going to be tough. I'm not real good in big crowd meeting people, you know. So I thought, what could I do? And I thought, I got all these photographs. I'll do a calendar. And so I did. And the first year, I was just amazed. Um, sold well over 100 of them. I ran out. I, I thought maybe I'd get lucky and sell 100. I had people that wanted them later. <laughs> So the next year, I ordered them, and the printer screwed up, and it was it was really funny. Uh, so for two days at the forum, I would talk to people. Calendars are supposed to be here today. It's supposed to be here today. They shipped them to the wrong place. Some They had to ship them somewhere else. They showed up at the dinner the third night, and I'm selling calendars out of the middle of a banquet table at the end of the banquet. <laughs> And people were buying them. It was it was a crazy scene. So now I start ordering them in September and October instead of the the uh, the first of November. I've uh, I've learned my lesson not to count on printers to get there on time, no matter what they tell you. So that was my first thing, and then um, I I uh, don't remember how I made a connection, but there's a gentleman named Jim Percoco who uh, who wrote a book called um, Oh Gosh Summers with Lincoln. He's a school teacher, and he teaches Lincoln, or used to. He's retired, though. I think he's gone back to teaching now. And he would take students during the summers to different Lincoln statues and use them as the focus for teaching uh, Civil War and, and, and uh, Lincoln, among other things, leadership and, and uh, whatever else he was trying to incorporate into the, the curriculum. And so he wrote a book based on several of those statues. Uh, and he asked me if I could contribute some photos to that. And then he and I worked on a, a couple articles, one for the uh, Indiana Historical Society. And then he and I also worked on a, a very long magazine article for American Art Review. Oh, it's been probably eight or nine years ago now. And it was probably 10 or 15 pages of photographs and copy about Lincoln art. And so I've done that several times. Uh, had some photos that went in a traveling exhibit during the bicentennial. Um, I was lucky enough to uh, be involved with a professor named John Hoffman down at the University of Illinois, and he's the head of their Lincoln collection, or he's a curator. And we got to know each other, and I asked him if I could photograph Lincoln Hall. Now, Nick, did you go to the U of I by any chance? No, I went to Illinois State. Oh, I did too. Go uh, All right. Yeah, that's Um, right. (laughs) <laughs> so there's a hall on the quad called Lincoln Hall. So went over there, and they, the University of Illinois gave me the rights, sole rights, to photograph this. They're going, they were going to um, go through a process of renovating the building. 
the best way to put it is Lincoln Hall is architecture as biography. The entire building is a biography of Abraham Lincoln. The front is eight or nine panels of Lincoln's life. And then on each side, uh, on the north and south side, are uh, terracotta busts of people from Lincoln's life. And then in between these busts, in inside a panel, is a quote from Lincoln. And so when I got over there, uh, they got a man lift that would go up about 90 feet. And they actually took me up 90 feet, scared the heck out of me. <laughs> um, but we went around the entire building taking pictures. Took us uh, a good part of the day to do that. They eventually um, put out a book called Lincoln Hall at the University of Illinois by the University of Illinois Press. And they used somewhere between 80 and 100 of my photos in that book. Plus, I got the book covered. So that was that was that's fantastic. I, I couldn't have asked for more than that. So... I've had a reasonable amount of exposure. At the same time I was doing that, they, they filmed a, a video um, of what I was doing with the Lincoln statues in the building for um, the PBS station in, in uh, Champaign-Urbana. And then uh, done a couple other things here or there, been on TV, been in the Chicago Tribune uh, on Lincoln's birthday several years ago. So um, I've been out there. I get phone calls all the time um, or on Facebook. Somebody will say, are you aware of this statue or that statue? And, most of the time I am, mm-hmm. but every once in a while, I'm like, wow, I didn't know about that one. I had to write that down, and then I put it on a map, and then my wife and I, we have to figure out if we can somehow get there. And, uh, <laughs> oh, so we've, cool. we've been to a lot of, lot of uh, interesting statues over time. Oh, that's really cool. And so, like, what are, like, you mentioned Lincoln Hall, which is absolutely fascinating. What are some other cool places that you've been able to go, maybe, like, photograph that, you know, like the average person might not be able to get into or might not even know about. The one that comes to mind was in Oklahoma, uh, in Claremore. Now, Claremore is famous for one thing. It's where uh, Will Rogers was from, the cowboy philosopher. And uh, I don't know how I found it. I stumbled across it, found a statue of Lincoln. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, they had a professor there that was from Korea. He and another guy develops this special stone resin concrete mixture called Pack Stone. His last name is Pack, and he had he he did this Lincoln statue. It's about twenty five or thirty feet tall. It's about thirty or forty feet wide. It has Lincoln. It's got every ma- imaginable symbol of the Civil War, uh, slavery, there are shackles, there are cannons, there are skulls, there are crosses to the unknown soldier. Lincoln's got a Bible under one hand. Um, there is an American flag draped behind him, and there's little cherubs and an eagle holding it up. It's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. And it's on the campus of Rogers State University in Claremore, Oklahoma. And the, the artist did a couple other ones on that same campus. I think there's one of George Washington and there's another one of Thomas Jefferson. But Lincoln is the one that's just beyond anything I, I've seen. It's got to be the, the most outrageous and interesting statue I think I've seen. Um, I... Uh, I found out a little bit about the artist, interesting guy, very religious. He left the university, ended up going out on his own, moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And when he died, he had put together 10 or 15 of these, these huge statues. He was going to put together a religious sculpture park. And then he died. His family and his kids wanted nothing to do with it. And uh, eventually sold it off. And some place in Texas that really looking to do something like he had envisioned bought it. And they've now put together a, a, a sculptural park. It's a religious park uh, featuring his sculptures. It's it's amazing. Wow, that's, that's so, uh, very that, interesting. That's, that's probably the craziest one. Well, I've never uh, even heard of it before. Yeah, if you, if, if you Google Roger State, Roger State University Lincoln statue... You won't believe what you're seeing. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I'll have to look that up. And, and I'm assuming you have pictures of it. 
Um, oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I've got, I got all kinds of them and I've even got some pictures I've got from the religious park of some of the, the new ones that, that he did that ended up out there and a picture of him actually when he was working on the Lincoln, the university had a picture oh, of him. Cool. So I got, got a copy of that as well. So that's probably the, the wildest one. Okay. That's, I'll have to look at that. I'm thinking of maybe posting a picture of that. If you could, um, I'll get you to send me oh, a photo sure. of that for Twitter and I'll get I it posted on our Twitter account. Um, so these Lincoln statues, um, do you see there being um, an importance with them and of telling Lincoln's story and conveying that? I think like, you know, I mean, obviously these statues are going to be here for many, many years, um, you know, to come, but is there enough, like, can they help tell Lincoln's story as well? Well, I found a real interesting quote um, on that long Western tour. We pulled into um, a parking lot and we were looking for the Guts and Borglum Museum, of course, who did Mount Rushmore. And in the parking lot, there was one of those big kind of blue and yellow raised letters, historical signs, metal, very permanent. And it was a story of Goats and Borglum and the, the uh, Mount Rushmore project. And at the, at the very end, they quoted him and said, uh, every statue must tell a story. It should portray a moment in our nation's history or a man's life that's worth remembering. So... Every artist has, has, has tried to portray Lincoln in, you know, in sculptural form in, through their own eyes. So that's why you, you see some statues you look at and you go, oh, my goodness, that's terrible. <laughs> but I'm not seeing it the way the artist saw it. So I just take it for what it is, and I become a bit of an art critic. But I try not to you know, make that you know, too, too loud when, uh, uh, when I'm talking in public. Um, but... The thing that's interesting, Lincoln, Lincoln sculpture, just like Lincoln himself, has gone through a lot of different uh, evolutions and, and the way people have looked at him through history. So there's a there's an author that that I picked up a book. His name is Merrill Peterson. He 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 said that there are really five main themes to images of Lincoln, and it's the savior of the nation. Uh, the great emancipator, the the man of the people, the man of the soil, you know, the the everyman, um, and that kind of goes along with kind of that the whole first American. I don't know if you've ever heard that term. That Lincoln is the first American, and then um, the great emancipator is is another one. So he's he's a rail splitter and a lawyer and a hero and a savior and you know, an emancipator and. So there's statues of Lincoln that that show everything about Lincoln's life. So Lincoln, to me, and I, I think I could won't be proven wrong making this statement, but Lincoln's the only life that has been portrayed from childhood to his death in sculpture, other than perhaps Jesus Christ, the only Western. Mm-hmm the figure in Western civilization that's actually had his entire life documented through sculpture. And so you do, you see Lincoln as a child in Hodgenville and there's a statue of Lincoln as a, as a child up in Dixon, Illinois. It's, it's a little known statue. It's in a, it wasn't a school. Um, You see him as a soldier a couple times. You see him as the great emancipator right after his death. That's how most, sculptors were portraying him as, as the great emancipator there's a famous statue in washington dc called the freedman's memorial um of lincoln standing over a, a freed slave um the shackles are falling off his hands and there's all kinds of different allegorical and symbolic things around the statue um it hasn't worn well on the african-american community particularly uh, the, 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 the former slave looks, uh, very subservient to Lincoln. Um, it hits gained several nicknames, including one nickname shine mister. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing about it is Stephen Douglas gave the dedication, uh, address, um, at this statue and he kind of let. Lincoln had it a little bit at that point. Um, he 
called him the the white man's president, not necessarily the, the, mm-hmm. the black man's president. So there's a lot of interesting stories behind some of these statues like that. Uh, that particular statue was paid for by Friedman, but they had no say in what the statue was going to be. It was completely up to a committee of of white patrons uh, to design the statue and commission it. But the people that raised the money were the former slaves. Wow, that's and, I would I would imagine that you know many of these statues probably have you know stories behind them that um, are almost as interesting as the statue itself, or as interesting yeah. in what part of Lincoln's life that it is portraying. One of one of my favorites, and in part of it is because I got to know the sculptor very well, and also the family that donated the money. Um, next time, if you get down to Springfield, go down to Taylorville, Illinois. And there's a statue of Lincoln down there with a pig, and it's called the Last Stop, and that's because Taylorville was the last stop on the Eighth Circuit. And as the, as the story goes. Um, Lincoln was trying a case in court that day with Judge uh, Davis. And in those days, pigs, as we know them, weren't the cute little pigs like Porky Pig. They were kind of ugly beasts with tusks and long hair. And they kind of ran wild and made a lot of noise. And they rooted underneath the courthouse and made a lot of noise. It was cold, cool under there. Well, it got so bad one day that Lincoln stopped court and asked uh, Judge Davis if he could order a writ of quietus on the pigs. <laughs> now, there is a writ of quietus, but I don't think it has anything to do with that at all. <laughs> and so that was uh, that was a story that was handed down. It had been written up in some different books. Uh, absolutely no proof. Um, but the, the good citizens of Taylorville wanted to put a statue up about 10 years ago. And they... Uh, Went out in the community and hoped they could find money. One guy stepped up and says, I'll donate the money. He says, this town's been great to me. I want to donate money for this statue. And they said, that's fantastic. He says, I just have to make sure it's okay with my family. Hadn't told his wife. He went back, told his wife and family. His wife immediately said, you're going to see a shrink. (laughs) And, and And he had to go see a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist had to sign off that he wasn't nuts. And he told me the story himself, and so did his wife. And she was standing there going, yeah, I did. So she said, okay, you're not crazy, but the family's, it's the family's money. They had a family vote. They voted it down, and he still did it anyway. So he gave them the money. They built the statue. A friend of mine, a sculptor named Bill McClary, uh, did the statue. It's Lincoln, and the pig is kind of running down his, uh, around his feet, in his mouth is the writ of quietus. And um, so I met Mr. McClary while he was doing this statue. I actually went to the foundry with him. And when we were at the foundry, they were getting the very last look at the statue. It was still in the, the clay. And John asked, this guy's name was Monty Secrest. He asked Monty to come over and away from the committee. And we were all standing and I was taking some pictures and he had Monty go around the corner behind the statue. And they were there for a minute or two. And he came back and said, what do you think? It's okay. Good. They reported. We went back a couple times. I actually saw him put the patine on it. This is a fascinating process. We went to the uh, dedication. George Buss was there as Lincoln, and there were literally several thousand people, bands and politicians. And they pulled the, the curtain off of the, the statue, and everybody applauded. And it's like, wow. And the kids wanted to come up and rub the pig's nose. <laughs> and so John McClary, I was I watched him, and he, he found Mr. and Mrs. Secrets, and he brought them over. And he brought them to the backside of the statue. And what he had done, and I've never seen this on any other statue, John had Monty put his wife's name permanently into that statue as as a memorial to her. Aww. He didn't put his name, wrote his wife's name. And she was just, she, she didn't know what to say. And uh, well, at that point, I think she felt like the money was well spent. <laughs> but, you know, it's those kinds of really unique stories that you run across. Uh, I've gotten to know a bunch of the sculptors. Um, 
it's the people that have donated the money and you know it's just it's wow something <laughs> falling apart on me here so it's it's those little things that make this so interesting and so you, you keep thinking oh, i'm going to find another one of those stories um so you know it's kind of like the godfather you know you think you're all done and the statues are all finished then another one gets built that pulls you back in <sighs> and you go Knoxville, Tennessee, or somewhere to take pictures of a new statue. How often do new ones pop up? Well, uh, it's it's really sporadic. Um, this year, there's at least two or three that I that I know of that are going to go up. There's one in Illinois, one in Ohio, and one somewhere else. I can't remember right off the top of my head where it is, but I've. I've already got them on my calendar. I don't know if I'll get there the day they dedicated, but I try to get there as soon afterwards as I possibly can. Um, so I just kind of watch and Google every once in a while. And, you know, Facebook is great for stuff popping up. Um, some of my sculptor friends will say, Hey, there's, they're trying to give, do a commission up in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. So I got a hold of their committee and gave them some direction on, you know, how to, you know, look for a sculptor perhaps and how to write a request for a proposal to sculptures, things like that. So um, I, I gotten a little more involved beyond just uh, um, taking pictures of the statues. Um, I actually even was able to consult with a sculptor out in Rapid City. Downtown Rapid City has a thing called the Walk of Presidents. If you ever get out to, to uh, Mount Rushmore, go into downtown Rapid City on the corners in downtown Rapid City, they have statues of all the presidents um, done by about four or five local sculptors. They've all done, you know, maybe 10 or five or six each at least. And they were trying to come up with one for Lincoln, and they didn't know what to do. They wanted something new. They didn't want the same old tried and true. And somehow they got a hold of me, and I said, well, the one th one thing that you don't see much of is Lincoln as a war president. But at the same time, you don't see Lincoln much as a father in these statues. There's a, there's a standard statue. There's four or five of them of Lincoln with Tad standing next to it. You've all, you've all seen the photo that was taken. Uh, I think it was probably by Gardner of Tad standing by Lincoln's side. And they're looking at a Bible or the family scrapbook. And so sculptors have just copied that for years. So I gave the, the idea to the sculptor. I said, if you could somehow blend Lincoln, the war president, with Tad. I said, Tad used to go with, with Lincoln over to the, the Army Telegraph office. So Tad would play in his Army uniform while they uh, would correspond back and forth to the field. And so uh, he says, okay, that's some place to start. I went out there. They asked me to come out and dedicate the statue. I gave a speech, unveiled it. And it was the it's the neatest statue, Lincoln sitting in a chair. He's reading dispatches from Petersburg. He's taking his glasses off. He's holding them in in, in his hand. He's looking over, and to his left on the floor, playing with a toy cannon, is Tad in the uniform that he'd been given by the the, the troops. And Lincoln's got his hand on Tad's shoulder, and Tad's looking up at him, with you know the the look that only a child can give his father. And I thought, wow, he really captured it. And it's not its not a statue that most people will ever see. But it's really, really effective and very emotional to me. Uh, I've got a connection. But the connection that he made between the boy and Lincoln and then to put in those, those things that were important to, to him, the war, and it says how many dead that day at Petersburg, things like that. Those are things that really good artists do. They, 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 these statues are built on the detail. It's like any good story. If, if, if a statue tells a story, then you've got to have the details right. And this guy really, really nailed the details on that one. Wow. Oh, that sounds amazing. That yeah, is, it really is. That, that is one I definitely would want to see. And I have to agree with you. Like, I, I love when, you know, the statues just, you can look at them and you, you can see that they're telling that story. Yep. And I think yeah. that makes the impact of them very power, like just that much more for people when they see it that, especially mm -hmm. with, it's got Tad, right? Like that's really gonna. 
Yeah. Makes it. Yeah, I think... it, it, pull, it pulls you in. It, it it makes you want to know more. You know, mm-hmm. what, what's the story here? Why, why is why is that little boy on the floor playing with a cannon while his dad is you know mm-hmm. doing what he's doing? And so maybe that'll spark somebody's interest in in looking that story up. And then if if I ever get this book going that I've been promising for years, my wife is over here laughing. At me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can tell some of those stories. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm hoping to do. Yeah. I think people would be very interested in that. Like the, the stories behind it are like just to me, sometimes they're just as important as like Lincoln himself um, to, to know what went on with making the statue and, and how the artist came up with the idea for it and all that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In some cases, it's strictly marketing. Mm-hmm. Taylorville, was, Taylorville was, was trying to market Taylorville. So their hook was Abraham Lincoln. It's a great story. It's a great statue. But it's also helping to market their town. Mm-hmm. People come to see Lincoln. They see Taylorville, which is a nice little town. So, yeah, Lincoln. Lincoln's, uh, you know. Wouldn't be the first time Lincoln's been used in marketing. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> Why not build a statue as a marketing tool? Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> Nick, did you have a question? Yeah, I was just we're talking about kind of some of the new ones being built. Um, kind of on the flip side, have you seen any of the statues that you take a picture is no longer exist um, for whatever reason? Boy. I think there's an awareness now uh, that we keep these uh, there there have been none that i'm aware of that have been torn down there are several that have disappeared over the years uh and nobody seems to know why one of them is it was actually in springfield it was a statue in uh in a park there and it's it disappeared over the years somebody knocked the head off of it they decided not to replace the head and it got thrown in a ditch and buried um there's there's others that uh, there's there's there was one I have a picture of a guy sent to me from Melbourne, Australia, huge park. And uh, somebody had knocked the finger off the statue and something else. And so they put it in a garage, put it in safekeeping and kind of got forgotten about. And it just disappeared. One of them disappeared in Scranton, uh, Pennsylvania. Nobody has any idea whatever happened. It's a huge bronze bust. Some people think maybe it was taken during World War II and used for scrap. But the stuff now, no, it's all pretty much, I think what's there is probably going to stay there. Um, I don't think we're going to see the Lincoln statues torn down anywhere like we're seeing, you know, some of the the Jim Crow era Confederate mm-hmm. statues being torn down. What's kind of, uh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was, uh, is there a statue that is on the bucket list? That, you know, kind of that one that you haven't gotten yet, that you're waiting to get. Or is this going to get you in trouble with your wife right now? No, probably. There's there's some in Europe that I would love to get to. I, there's 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 one in a, on a winery in Portugal. That'd be a tough get. And and I and I think I know where that statue came from. I think it came from Brazil, but I haven't been able to. It, it, you have to be a bit of a detective doing what I'm doing because. Sometimes the statue's there, but people don't know where it came from. But I know who the artist was, and I know that there's a missing statue that was of his that was shipped to Brazil. Brazil's Portuguese. It ended up in a Portuguese winery. Who knows? Maybe that's it. Wow. There's one in Israel. There's one in Israel I'd like to see. Um, those are two that I can think of. I, there's one in Macedonia, of all places. I, I don't even know where Macedonia is. I'm not sure if you gave me a blank map, I could find Macedonia on the map. Um, I could find Ukraine, but I don't think I could find Macedonia. Um, <laughs> it's right above. I think it's right above Greece. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and it, I, I actually Greece have anyway. a former student who's from Macedonia. We got to get really? this going. I'll, I'll this talk is, to him. This is on a new government building in the in the Republic of Macedonia. Wow. <laughs> and I can't get him to answer answer anything. There's one in Liberia that I found not long ago that, that nobody seems to know anything about. Um, all the main ones in the states, uh, you know, I've seen. There's one I haven't been to in Knoxville. That's on my list. I found one here a, a year ago. Haven't been out to Hutchinson, Kansas, of all places, and it's been there forever. But nobody ever documented it. So, 
that's what I'm trying to do. Is I, I've got a, I've got my database here. I, you guys can you guys can see this. The the audience can't. Oh. But I've got wow. 410 statues on there, and that's just that's not all of them. Um, I'm cleaning that up. But yeah, you know, there's there's so many out there, and there's so many wonderful statues. You know, they're some of the the finest artists of the the 19th and 20th centuries did did Lincoln. Lincoln, for a lot of those sculptors like Daniel Chester French or Augustus St. Gaudens and people like that, it was a real get. You you kind of made your bones if you did a major statue of Abraham Lincoln. Um, and so even today, uh, the commissions for a new Lincoln statue are, are pretty well fought over. Uh, they're very competitive, and there's a lot of great sculptors out there um, but there's a lot of places. There's one in Pennsylvania right now that's going to replace one that that had been vandalized, and they just they just couldn't get it back to presentable condition. They want to use a local artist. Who knows? It may be a great artist, may mm-hmm. not be, but they feel like they want to keep it local. Other places, they they kind of throw a wide net looking for a sculptor. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's 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 all very fascinating. You know you. If you, they have to raise money, how are they doing that? You know, who's the sculptor? What's the sculptor's background? All those things. So, just keep looking. I keep googling things, and every once in a while, something pops up. We should start a GoFundMe page. Yep. I'll document since I got film cameras to the school. We'll make a documentary <laughs> of us all going to Macedonia, so you can take the picture of the Lincoln statue. <laughs> that would be awesome. And then I'll contact a former student for him to give us the hookup. And then I know where it's at. I know where the, I know the building was on. <laughs> so Rail Flutter Nation, uh, keep your eyes open for our GoFundMe page. Yep. <laughs> I never thought there would be one of Lincoln and Macedonia of all places. That's yeah, I don't think random. There's one in Moscow of all places. Believe that or not, there's wow. several. In, there's several in Havana. That's no, the other. My other real get. There's one in Old San Juan, a statue of Lincoln in Old San Juan, and there are three of them in Havana. So that's kind of on. I don't. I'm not much on Caribbean cruises, but if I could get to San Juan and Havana to shoot Lincoln statues, and I'm I'm on the boat tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, I hope you get to see like the ones that are on your bucket list, especially that one in Macedonia. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be a cool deal there. Yeah. Um, so we're going to switch gears a little bit just because we're almost at our hour here, which it's gone by really quickly. Um, yeah. So you attend the Lincoln Forum every November. Yes. Um, we've touched on it a little bit on the show. I am thinking of going this November. Hopefully I can can make it to it because I've been wanting to for a few years. Um, but can you tell our listeners a little bit about what the forum is and maybe how they can, can join? Sure. Uh, the Lincoln Forum is is an organization. Uh, I don't know how many members we have now. Um, the forum itself um, is a three-day seminar. And we bring in some of the current authors uh, that deal with Lincoln or subjects related to Lincoln. So we've we've had you know wide variety of, of subjects. Um, so for three days, great presentations, uh, a lot of socialization. Uh, the folks that founded it, um, most of you probably heard of Harold Holzer, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the the preeminent or maybe one of two preeminent Lincoln scholars in the country today, um, and a guy named Frank Williams, who's a, a noted uh, Lincoln scholar, who was a former Chief Justice of the Rhode Island Supreme Court. They founded this organization, I want to say it's 25 years ago, because this will be the 25th anniversary, I believe. Um, and it, it, it's become a family. People show up because a lot of their friends are there. Um, we, I can't tell you how many people we've, we've met and gotten to know and call friends to this day from the forum. But it's, it's fascinating. There's, there's always a subject that, that gets you. They throw some curveballs out there. That's, it's not always just you know, plain old vanilla stuff, scholarships. It can be controversial. They they put together panels of people that don't necessarily agree with each other on their viewpoints about Lincoln or the Civil War. And they have a different uh, theme every year. So uh, it's it's never boring. 
and uh, there's artists there. I show my stuff there. There's sculptors. There's a bookstore. There's antiquarian bookstores. Uh, there's Lincoln artifacts that are there as well for people to look at and buy. Um, so it's a very full three days. And then during those three days, we have breakout sessions. Um, at times, we even take tours. This next year, they're going to add a, a another day, and they're going to add some new things to it, like a, a tour. A friend of mine uh, just put together, and we did a sample of it last year, a tour of Lincoln in Gettysburg. So we took Lincoln from the train station, and we follow him over that next day and a half all the way to the, the uh, cemetery and back uh, and walk it. And that's something that they're looking at doing this next year. So um, it's just a great amount of fun. Um, you can join by going online. Um, I don't off the top of my head. I think it's the Lincoln Forum dot org, but don't don't quote me on that. I, I, I will post a link to it on our Facebook yeah. page and, and on Twitter. If you want to go to the forum, uh, you have to be a member first. It fills up. There's three, almost 300 people at the at the the meetings, so they have to pretty much reserve it for members first. Um, and then there is a fee you for the fee, and I don't remember what it is uh, right now. It's around seven hundred dollars or so uh, for two. It's three hundred three hundred fifty dollars. You get breakfast, lunch, and dinner for two days, and, and a dinner on the third day. Uh, or the first day you get dinner, then you get breakfast, lunch, and dinner for two days. That includes everything. Uh, they held it at the uh, the Wyndham Hotel in Gettysburg. It's out off of Highway Thirty. So it's not right down in the battlefield. Gettysburg's pretty limited in how big a group they can handle for seminars. So uh, that's the only place in town that has a, a banquet hall big enough and seating big enough for uh, that. Also, if anybody's interested, you can go on to C-SPAN. And C-SPAN holds uh, or comes in uh, pretty much every year and f- records a lot of the uh, seminars then they rebroadcast them. So if you uh, do a scan or a C-SPAN scan, uh, Google search and look for Lincoln Forum, it'll pop up when they're replaying some of those. Um, so you can kind of get a taste of what the Lincoln Forum is all about uh, that way too. And it's always the same time every November, right? It falls sure. like in the, the, well, this year will be the four days before November the 19th. The, this year will be the 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th. And then the 19th, is the uh, dedication day ceremonies at the National Cemetery. And that's not to be missed. It's a very mm-hmm. moving ceremony. They they swear in new citizens. George Boss says Lincoln reads the Gettysburg Address. They always have a phenomenal guest speaker that gives an address that's very topical and timely. And uh, just old old Civil War era music. Uh, it's It's amazing. It really is. Yeah, I I do second what you're saying about it. Um, feeling like family because when I went there just briefly to meet up with a few people, I'd known them for a while, but I was just welcomed and I well I got to meet you and Wendy and um, like a few other people that I yeah, you know of course you know Angela and yeah some of those too so yep yeah so yeah very much and and I'm like you I'm an introvert so. Something like that is very overwhelming to me to think it like can be. It, it all can these be. people. Um, but I find when it's like Lincoln, like what we discovered in Springfield was like the Lincoln community is just so welcoming. And anytime you can get together, you know, to talk about Lincoln, it's always um, a great time. You walk away learning something and having made new friends. Some of the best discussions are held down in the bar after hours at the Lincoln Forum. Yes, <laughs> so I've heard. Um, well, thank you so much for telling us um, about it. It's nice to have someone on the show, too, that, that's been there. Because, um, like yeah. I said, my time there was just very, it was maybe about, I think, about an hour. And it was mm. kind of the whirlwind of meeting and talking to people. Um, sure. So the last thing for the show is our weekly feature that we do called This Week in Lincoln. And okay. we always like our guests to do it. And it's kind of, as I was explaining to you earlier, where you've seen Lincoln maybe in pop culture, it could be a statue or, or anything like that, but just something interesting about Lincoln, where you've seen him. Okay. Well, big surprise. This is about a statue. <laughs> um, do either one of you have any idea? Well, Mary, don't cheat because I told you this the other day. Yeah. 
You know, Nick, do you know where the very first statue of Abraham Lincoln was, public statue? Oh, God. No. D.C. or Springfield? Probably not that at all. <laughs> no, it is not. It was in San Francisco, California. <laughs> there that, was, that was my third guess. I, 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 well, I usually give people three guesses. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it, it does seem rather strange, but... Um, after Lincoln's assassination, there was a guy named um, name is Pietro Mazzara. He's listed in the San Francisco uh, records at that time as a stonecutter. He did a statue of Lincoln, and he had it done by August of, of 1865. So from April to August, he did the statue of Lincoln. And um, the city fathers um, did not have it dedicated until the next year. So the very first statue of Lincoln was uh, dedicated on uh, April the 14th of 1866. It's a very, it was a huge statue. It's like nine feet tall. Uh, it was actually made out of plaster. It wasn't poured bronze. But in the, the climate out in California, you know, a plaster statue, you can put it outside. So it stood in front of, of a boy's school, which was actually Lincoln School, and it stood there for many, many, many years. And at some point, the, the statue, it was Lincoln, rather big flourish. His, his arm was held out to the side and his arm fell off. Just clunk. After 20 or 30 years, his arm fell off. He got tired. So they, they took the statue, they reconstructed it, and they made it out of uh, like uh, oh, tin pot material, kind of a a bronze-like material, but it's much lighter. And they stood back in front of the school until um, 1907. Funny thing happened was this earthquake. Earthquake devastated San Francisco. Fires, buildings fell, fire ravaged things. Lincoln statue melted. They found a finger remaining. <laughs> And the story goes that someone made a gavel out of it. Nobody's ever found the gavel, but at least that's the story. And at that point, the, the, the statue was no more. But the very first statue was 1866 in San Francisco by Pietro Mazzara. I have pictures of it. They actually did think to take pictures of him. And then uh, was destroyed in the San Francisco earthquake and never put back up. But there is another statue that was replaced and put in front of City Hall Um back in the early part of the 20th century so there there are several statues of lincoln there's probably california's probably in the top 10 of lincoln statues in the number illinois is by far the most but california is way up there there's several in just in la alone so that's my little little odd tidbit um it's been documented but not that many people know know about it they they think of maybe it's the the, the one in front of the courthouse in D.C. that's been there for a long time by a guy named Lot Flannery. But uh, it's not. It was a it was this immigrant stonecutter from uh, from Italy named Pietro Mazzara. Very and it was cool. Really, less than less than six six months after Lincoln's death, the first statue was done. That was a great this week in Lincoln. Thank you. Good, my pleasure. It's great. been a lot of fun. Yeah, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, Nick, any parting thoughts? Uh, yeah, real quick, where can uh, people find you? Are you on social media? And I, so I am. I, am. Um, I, fo I put a lot of my own pictures up, but other people post too. My Facebook page is Images of Abraham Lincoln on Facebook. And uh, you'll, see, you'll see a lot of Lincoln images up there, a lot of my photos. Uh, like I said, though, I, I do uh, share stuff to that page, and I ask people to share to it as well if they've got other images, uh, interesting stories, uh, Lincoln connections. Uh, a friend of mine uh, posts a lot of uh, uh, stuff for the Abraham Lincoln Association, and he, at least once or twice a week, tries to fool me by putting up a, 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 pic, a statue of Lincoln, and I have to guess basically where it came from. <laughs> He's he's only gotten me a couple times. I wasn't hundred percent sure, but uh, it's a lot of fun. And if anybody knows of a, an odd Lincoln statue mm -hmm. out there somewhere, drop me a, drop me a line, uh, message me at images of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, and we just I want to take time to thank you because you do actually post in our Real Splitter 
on our Real Splitter Facebook page. I see your posts come up there. So thank you. So Real Splitters, if you are looking to find Dave's page, just scroll through um, the Real Splitter Facebook uh, page feed and, and you'll find him there. He, he's, he's quite an active poster on there. And sometime next fall, the 2021 calendar will be out. So if anybody's interested, uh, watch for it. Awesome. Cheap there. <laughs> well, we sh- we'll be sure to mention that on our Real Splitter Facebook page and our Twitter account as well. Um, so thank you so much for joining well, us. You. Yes, thank you. Great job. That was talking to you, Nick. I'll, I'll see you in Macedonia. That's right. Yes. We, <laughs> next episode will be from Macedonia. I'm not sure we can get our GoFundMe going that quickly, but um, anyway, Real Splitters, we are going to sign off for now. So um, keep walking the world with malice toward none and with charity for all, and we will see you next week. <laughs>